Well, good morning, good day, good evening. My name is Jill, and these are my journals out loud. And today is Friday. It is August 18th, 2023. And uh, I think we really need to mark the dates because as we go back and listen to these things someday, maybe in the future, it's always fascinating to me to hear what was talked about and then the actual timeline that unfolded. And as I was trying to think what to talk about this morning uh, or today, I guess I'm recording early because the dogs are down, fingers crossed they stay quiet. There's so much that has happened and that we're on the precipice of happening. It is overwhelming. And yet, you know, my process in the morning is to think about these great big abstract things and at the same time to do this, the just survival practical things, right? So, you know, there's going to be two dry days. I got to finish leaking the roof leaking. You know, I bought meat. I got to dry it out and cure it, right? And there's no window on that. I have to do it in these tiny windows regardless if the sky is falling because that's it. It either gets done when it it's the right time, which is, you know, when you come home from the store and you don't have a refrigerator and you have a bag of ice, you have 24 hours to get your meat processed or eaten. And so these are not optional. You know, if the roof needs a 24-hour dry period and I got one guaranteed 24-hour dry period, it gets done then. But if you just glance over to the news, you've got uh, China imploding economically. There's Evergrande, their second largest, uh, I think it's a development company, uh, has just collapsed. Uh, I was listening to a report on that, and there's actually number one and number two. two that Evergrande is two. Uh, one is a different one. I can't remember the name. And if both of them go, it's over $450 billion that gets sucked out of our economy that apparently we're on the hook for. I don't know if that's 100% accurate, but that's a lot of money for the bank's loans to not be, or bonds to not be honored, uh, and could be the cascade. And in a personal level, you know, Hurricane Hillary is approaching where my parents live, which, you know, they're too old to really be able to do anything about it. Uh, and so I am sitting here with trepidation, trying to see what's going to happen there and how little I can really do to help them. And the fires in Maui and the horrific news coming out about how it's really looking much more calculated than accidental and purposeful for uh, nefarious reasons than just an accident in nature. And it just goes on and on and on. <sighs> And with that, right, you get up in the morning and you still have to do your simple, basic things. And, you know, one of the things I wanted to talk about, I keep pushing forward just because I was making it too complicated. So I'm going to dial it back and combine it with what the title is, is Cycles, History, and the stories we tell. And one of the things, you know, I love about podcasts is you've got so many people making them now that they're making them on these weird and obscure things. And two of them that I have uh, just started and have listened a little bit to are storytelling podcasts. One is called Tales, 
and it's uh, the series itself is ending, but I think there's a couple years. But it's all the stories that used to be, uh, you know, Hans Christian Andersen encapsulated them, encapsulated them as fairy tales. But really, before that, they were stories that were told to children, and the amount of gore and horror and violence in them is breathtaking. I was listening to a version or the origin story of The Princess and the Pea has nothing to do with the fantasy version that we got. How uh, it's just shocking the the what's the the uh, the origin stories of all that. And then the flip side is is I just found a, a podcast on the ancient, the oldest stories. And these are the stories of the Sumerians. And that's when our uh, recorded written history on the clay tablets began. And uh, I've only listened to two, but what struck me is uh, his interpretation. Uh, I don't know. It's just a guy who decided to take this on. He's not an actual historian, but he was saying that what the tablets really show are just notes to support the oral history, the oral storytelling process. But same thing, just filled with uh, violence and idiotic decisions and uh, ridiculous politics and, and just things that you think, you know, we're still repeating those same cycles over and over and over again, which really brings us to cycles in history. Because when we look at history, we love that comment, right? Those who don't understand or study history are doomed to repeat it. But we do continue to repeat it. And if we look at this concept of cycles, meaning Uh, We're starting to understand them in a different way. Other cultures live by cycles. The Chinese have cycles. The Mayans have cycles. Uh, We understand them uh, slightly better, you know, in the food production world, right, with the four seasons and the cycles of having babies and maturing them because there's a whole thing going on with the cows, right? I was listening to uh, David Dubine, who is uh, ADAPT2030, uh, revolution.radio, and he was speaking with Mike Adams on brighton.com. And uh, the piece that I took away that was fascinating was he's saying that part of the conversation about less meat isn't just evil and conspiratorial. It's very practical because the nature of the cycle of the earth is changing, whatever version of that you want to believe or don't want to believe, and the uh, capacity to grow food, primarily food for animals, is being drastically reduced. And because most of us do not live at the base level of understanding how production works, how raising animals and raising crops actually work, we just assume it will always be there. I was actually at the store yesterday and there was almost no meat in the meat aisle. Uh, There was no beef. There was chicken and pork, but there was almost no beef. And it just reminds me that just because we understand all this doesn't mean that we can do a whole lot about it. And 
And I say that because, you know, every conversation about these things is this is what you should do. This is what you should do. You should be his version. You should be living like a pioneer. You should be growing your own food. And the reality is, is all of us can't just pick up and start this other magical life where everything's going to be okay because regardless of story, cycle, and history, we have our own 24-hour cycle. We have to feed everybody that we're responsible for. We have to clean. We have to go to work. We have to uh, do whatever it is. You know, me, I have to patch the roof, uh, Whether whatever it is. We are responsible for what's in our 24-hour cycle. And, you know, my experience is the closer I get to living outside, the more... I don't want to say controlled, but (laughs) it feels that way. The more controlled I am by the elements of the cycle that is nature, that is outside of me, because I don't have the luxury of establishing an internal control system, which is basically what civilization has done. Civilization has done everything it can to dominate and control cycles and tell itself that it's evolved to no longer be subject to history and its processes and cycles. And we reinforce that by the stories that we tell. And we see that in the evolution of the old stories to the fairy tales where, you know, the princess and the pea is a soft, easy tale in a storybook for children. But when you listen to the origin story, it's just all kinds of beheading and killing and mass murder and ridiculous expectations and control. And there's nothing nice about it, except in one of the rare, rare instances, uh, the princess turns out to be uh, different in a more positive feminine way than uh, maybe the original, the fairy tale version. And it just goes on and on and on and on. And, you know, the reason I wanted to bring up this concept of cycles is because we're so detached from it, we feel like because we've always been able to control things within our personal experience, right? You can turn the heat up, you can turn the heat down, you can turn the air conditioner on, you can turn on the lights. If the water heater breaks, you can swap it out. If your car breaks, you can get a new car. You can get in the car and go wherever you want at a relatively decent speed. You can get on a plane and go wherever you want. Uh, The food is always showing up regardless of the season, you know, because we import from around the world. It's always... Uh, Food is always being produced somewhere and it gets brought to us. So we are oblivious to what the cycle of food actually is. And we have insulated ourselves beyond any kind of normal cycle. And we even do that in our relationships. I remember I told you my story about going to Europe in Paris. Well, when I left, you know, there were no cell phones and there was no internet. And I actually did not call home for three weeks. Now, in hindsight, I can realize, 
you know, how upsetting that would have been as a parent. You know, I sent my kid off to Europe by herself and I haven't heard from her for three weeks. Uh, but for me, it just, I didn't even bat an eye. It did not occur to me that because I knew I was okay. <laughs> and communication was primarily through the mail. You would have people send you mail to the American consulate in the country that you were planning on going to in that city. So you would make a plan, okay, I'm going to go to Italy, and then you would say, okay, I'm going to be there in two weeks, so go ahead and mail a letter to Italy, and that's how you communicated. And uh, Because phone calls were ridiculously expensive once upon a time, if we all can remember that. And how upset, you know, my mom was, not, you know, getting mad at me, but I can understand now, as, you know, a little bit older, how upsetting that is, but I, but you have to think about the olden days, right? People just either stayed with their family forever or they moved away and they almost never saw them again. I mean, think about the original pioneers, the real pioneers, the people who left without cell phones and without any clue as to what was going to happen to them and the explorers who didn't know where there was going to be water uh, it is the the people who live on the land understand the cycles. They know where the water is going to be. They know where the danger is going to be. But just launching into these grand unknowns without any understanding of cycles, how dangerous that is. But we are so insulated, and I am so taken aback with the stories. And I spoke to that you know, the, the softening of the stories of our past. And, you know, I think what I had spoken about a week or two ago was the death of those uh, survival people in Colorado in a tent because they watched YouTube videos, you know, and I've tried to share that, that just because you watch the videos doesn't mean you're getting the real story. But I am never ended surprised at how disconnected people are from understanding what is editing and story because, you know, I can't show you, you know, if I'm going to show you 10 minutes of my life in an entire week, you're not going to see everything that happens. There's no context, you know, there's no sense of the complexity to it. And you can see that in your own life, right? If uh, i you know, I've been having what I keep calling my tech wars, right? Nothing works. But your experience is just a little podcast shows up or a video shows up. You know, what you're not seeing is the whiplash and the massive frustration about nothing working that's going on, you know, behind the scenes and walking around and changing spaces and changing, you know, devices and having to drive someplace or, you know, I mean, it's just this ridiculous process to do something that feels extremely simple. And the story is simple, right? She makes podcasts, she makes videos. Uh, but behind the scenes, it's for something that looks simple and uncomplex. You know, there's this whole other thing that goes on. And it's not, my experience isn't normal. Most people, their stuff just works. But for whatever reason, I am in a tech war that I have constantly been losing for years now. But why I added history to all of this is uh, I, because I, I shared with you, I found this other history podcast called Short 
history. And I listened to the story of the samurai. And one of my favorite movies is The Last Samurai. If you haven't watched that, uh, I strongly encourage you to watch it. It's First of all, it's just such a well-made movie. But what's so profound in that for me is that uh, it is the epitome of seeing what Wired for Danger is you, and post-traumatic stress and how you really resolve it. You know, you've got two guys in the movie. You have uh, Nathan Algren, who is an American that comes over, and you have, uh, I can't remember his name in the movie, and I can't remember the real guy that he is. Uh, the story, the movie is a, uh, it's a, it's it's not an actual series event of The Last Samurai. It is a telling of a process that evolved, but it's just visually beautiful. The whole thing is awesome, and it, it just screams wired for danger, right? And, you know, when I was listening to the history of the samurai and their start and their conclusion, you know, I was thinking this is just a repeat of history. And what's interesting is, you know, I also have a book that I went back to reference about samurai and we've romanticized them as a culture. Uh, what was interesting about this historical perspective is, you know, we have this sense that warriors have a code. That's the name of the book I have that has different warrior cultures. And, you know, the samurai had the code of Bushido, but I didn't know that the Bushido code was written up long after the end of the samurai. The the end of the samurai period was in the late 1860s is when it was transitioning out. And the, the code Bushido wasn't written down in written form until 1902 or 1905. And so, you know, there was a memory, but as with so many pieces of our history, the story we tell is many years, decades, centuries after the people and the actual events. And when you listen to a more accurate story of the samurai, what you hear is what's happening right now. You have a displacement of people. You have a disruption of culture. And you have an evolution of a class of people who are the wired for danger people. They become criminal or they become protectors, enforcers, but for the most part, they, they divide between, you know, the criminal and the cop. I mean, those are the two places that in history, the wire for danger have been primarily uh, a part of. The other thing I thought was really interesting is there were women samurai, and the stories were not, uh, about them being as women, but about what they actually accomplished. And they know that, not just as a fictional, I think there was one battlefield out of the hundred and, I don't want to say, maybe 79 people, 34 were women that were part of that battle. So uh, it was interesting to me that at that point in history, women were allowed to be part of the warrior class, whether they were overtly women or whether they were hiding who they were as women. You know, we don't know. But when it's in your bones, it's in your bones. So this this grouping I'm having of the Wire for Danger people, 
uh, and when we look at the context of cycles in history, who we are doesn't change. What we're doing is we're not repeating history because we're not learning, but we are functioning within cycles of time with the stories that are real for us. And the reason I've been talking so much about the nervous system is that we are most dynamically moved by fear, whether we want to think that way or not. And it's not fear as in, you know, screaming Mimi fear. It's what I said, right? If I don't, you know, my fear is the roof will leak if I don't fix it. That's not a fantasy. That's a very practical thing. It becomes a priority because I know as I, I would fear, right? If I never fixed my roof, I would ruin everything on the inside, which you got to love. One of my drippy holes was right over where I put the computer. Thank God I had put a uh, plastic thing there to catch the water just in case, right? So it's not irrational fear, but mostly we are pushed forward by what we're trying to avoid, right? And it goes back to that conversation I had with you about want don't want. You know, fear is what we don't want. Love is what we do want. It's a very simple split that has, you know, multiplies into a thousand different directions. But the simplicity of it isn't something that most of us, you know, spend a lot of time thinking about. And it doesn't change anything radically other than understanding what motivates and propels you forward and others. And throughout history, we consistently see this breakout of people who respond uh, with fight, people who freeze up and don't do anything, and people who run away in the points of time in peak fear and danger and that's just what life is. Life is a constant battle for survival until you become, quote unquote, civilized as we are, right? And then we insulate ourselves from the cycles and we pretend like we don't have history. And then entertainment storytelling evolves no longer as wisdom and warning, but as distraction, and that's what's so fascinating to me about these old stories is it's almost all about warning. Stay away from this one. Don't go into the woods alone, right? Almost all of these stories are filled with bad things that happen when you don't pay attention. And we don't teach our children those things anymore. We just think the whole world is safe and everything's going to be okay and I, you know, I know at a personal level, the amount of what's going on with the children has been shocking to me, especially with the complete uh, eye-opening moment of how many children charities are really, what's really going on there has nothing to do with charity and everything to do with, you know, evil about the children. I had no idea because I grew up like you were it was pretty, you know, regardless of what happened to me at a personal level, it just felt like most of the world was normal, right? And, you know, people just want to do the right thing. And, oh, look, they're just trying to take care of all the the children that have been, you know, lost their parents in this war zone. Oh, look at how nice they are. And, 
you know, the, the naivete, because our stories and our fairy tales were about, you know, the good guy always wins and everybody's okay, right? Like our Hansel and Gretel is mild compared to the real Hansel and Gretel. Uh, so it's just, it was, it's fascinating to me to listen to these old stories. And uh, if I can, if I can get a connection, I will link uh, these podcasts because I was listening. The, the oldest stories, the Sumerian stories, uh, are really talking about the uh, the gods, the original gods, the Anunnaki gods. And, uh, you know, the biblical view is the Anunnaki are fallen angels. Uh, you know, the, uh, the alternative view is they're just a uh, alien race. But when you listen to their stories... It's fascinating at uh, what's drifted down through time, even before we had uh, a written record of them, because history does repeat and it does create these cycles and we live by cycles. And, you know, what's important to remember and to recognize is that we perceive what's happening within our personal cycles based on whether we're a man or a woman, whether we are, uh, what our default nervous system is. You know, what, uh, one of the things that's interesting to me is, you know, before all this hormone interruption stuff that's been going on, which finally I heard somebody else talk about uh, the sunscreen and how disruptive that is to the hormone system. That's just devastating. One application of sunscreen uh, and I forget the name of the chemical, but it shows up seven times the allowed limit. So you can only imagine the daily application of sunscreen. Uh, and it is um, normally, you know, men have a much more paranoid view because of the higher testosterone level than women do and how that has to be balanced uh, so that it's not all out war all the time, but you know, many cultures had a split, you know, men wanted to go to war. And uh, we saw that with the Native American, uh, that in some places, and the women decided if they were to go to war. Now, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that goes with that, that is gross and obscene. So I'm not going to talk about that. But it is, you know, there's just been a, a pattern that has emerged through stories, cycles and history that will always repeat. But it's most, where we fall in it is mostly defined by our responses to our fears. Because it doesn't matter how comfortable you are, we are still propelled forward by our fears, right? Oh, they're not going to like me. Oh, they're going to, you know, that whole keeping up with the Joneses, right? That was such a big thing for such a long time. What will others think of me? That's fear. It doesn't matter if your fear is uh, that your lawn doesn't look beautiful enough so that your neighbors will judge your uh, landscaping skills, right? I mean, it's, or if you don't, your body doesn't look right, or your clothes aren't right, or your car's not right, or your education or your job or whatever's not right. That is all our fear about what something outside of us is, is perceiving us or a fear about what we're afraid is going to happen to us. And here's the next piece of that and why this is so important is this is how we are also manipulated. Because if you 
understand these cycles of history and you cycles of nature and weather and if you understand the patterns then you know how to manipulate the people and while i don't have you know specific statistical breakouts how many people are fight how many people are freeze and how many people are flight it doesn't matter. Most people are freeze or flight in the face of extreme danger. And that does not change with time. It does not change with the event. It doesn't matter if it is a hurricane, a tornado, civil war, famine, pandemic. We saw that with COVID. We saw how people responded to fear a certain percentage i'm not wearing the mask don't tell me what to do uh, a certain percentage not wanting to leave the house a certain percentage of hiding and running away to avoid the problem uh, it doesn't matter what the event is it's who we are at our default that is how we will most likely respond. And I don't say that in a right or wrong way. I say that, that this is just real. You cannot make fight free, flight freeze people be fighters if they are incapable of overriding that. Now, there's times when they will. There might be times where you, you just get pushed, 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 and you finally fight back. But I'm just talking in generalities. As a culture, as a civilization, as an experience that we are collectively having, we are all defaulting into one of the three primary stress responses because that's just the way we are built. And the power of all of this isn't what's happening out there. It isn't what anybody's doing to us. It's understanding who we are in relationship to these experiences because you just have to look over the course of history and see the cycle itself never changes. Empire always falls. Monetary systems always end. Wars always break out. Hate always emerges. The more unstable the uh, and, and uncertain things are, the more fear, the more people push, the more paranoid men get, the more... Uh, vulnerable women and children get. I mean, these cycles repeat over and over and over again. And we're not going to magically move out of this cycle just because we've seen a whole lot of movies where this one superhero or whoever saves the day and the rest of us just not knowing what's really happened, everything's just okay. It just doesn't work that way. Every cycle must come to an end and all cycles repeat in the same way that every morning the sun comes up and the sun goes down and we must survive within our 24-hour period pretty much whether we want to or not. I mean, we can actively choose to end it, but, it, but the daily needs of a 24-hour cycle 
don't change with whatever's going on out in the world. And you know why? One of the reasons that prompted that this morning is, you know, like you, I'm just overwhelmed with the amount of things that are being reported on. And the because we are so entertainment-based, the shock and awe of it all and the, you know, the need for attention is to make it all scary, 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 whether it's related to us personally or not. You know, the demand for clicks and views requires more and more intense delivery and shocking ideas, blah, 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 right? So there's a constant like threat continuum that keeps getting escalated not necessarily because the actual threat is occurring, but because there's a comp- competition for your attention. You know, that story that you're telling, you need to compete with a million other people telling the same story now because we're in such an information-heavy culture. So as I was listening to all these things the, the last few days and thinking, man, you know, this is immobilizing. And that's the fear response because it shuts you down. So if you're manipulative, right, you may, you uh, create a lot of fear so that you can get most people to shut down or run away. Uh, and you do activate a tiny percentage of fight people. But, you know, as you hear people say over and over again, what do we do? What do we do? Even if you want to fight, what are you supposed to do, right? There's a million tiny battles, but there's no way to fight an overall war out in the world. The only real war you can fight is the one within yourself to manage all of this, to not be manipulated by all this information. And the power of understanding cycles, histories, and stories is None of this is new. It just goes back and forth over and over and over again. And we're not special. We're not special. We're not a special species that gets to sit this one out. And, you know, I know there's people say, oh, it's never been this bad. And I probably wouldn't agree with that because, number one, I haven't lived every cycle of time. But we are so comfortable compared to how people had it in in our history and our past. We have no idea what discomfort is. And that goes back to the pioneers, right? We have, you know, any exploring that any of us do, we just call 911 and expect someone to magically show up. I mean, we don't even have a perception of a world in which there is no 911. I think I've shared the story before where my uh, second fire in the mountains in Crestline in California, I, the first time I ran down the mountain and I did everything wrong. So the second time I'm like, I'm not leaving this time. Cause I couldn't, I knew if I drove down the mountain, I couldn't come back up. Well, my neighbor decided to stay and she had just had a stroke and I'm looking at her saying, you know, I can't take you down the mountain if something happens to you. And if you call 911, she's a nurse, she should know better, right? If you call 911, nobody's coming up. But I, I knew that she really believed somebody would come get her if there was a problem. And this is our naivete. Well, somebody's going to come save us, right? Somebody's going to show up. And 
I think that's the power of what's going on in Maui right now is there is nobody showing up to save the day. There's terrible things happening in a very short amount of time. And this is a community that has a lot of close ties. I mean, this is these are ancient heritage lands where people's families have known each other for a very long time. And there's raping and pillaging and stealing going on. I think one guy said at night and then day, everybody, daytime, everybody pretends like things are normal. At night, you know, they're going house to house with a gunpoint. And so we don't understand uh, cycles because the history that we're told is not necessarily the true history. And most of our stories have evolved into fairy tales and fantasy in which Somebody always comes in and saves the day. And so, you know, the reality is, is that it, it we're in a very, I keep thinking, God, I don't want to do all these heavy podcasts, right? So, uh, because it's, it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. And I, you know, I listen to what's going on. I'm like, I don't know what to talk about because it's all so depressing. But I think if we can just really step back and ex understand that this isn't new, that it happens over and over. Uh, This is our time, uh, just like it's our time to get older. Uh, You know, sometimes the timing sucks, you know, like my parents are older and they're not able to do anything if they have a hurricane where they're physically located. They don't have anywhere to go. They're going to get flooded out. I have no idea what's going to happen to them. Uh, And it's such a heavily densely populated area Uh, I can only envision what a nightmare it's going to be. Uh, And me running down there doesn't solve anything because there's there's nowhere for me to stay except outside. And so it is, there's just no simple solution. There's no way out. And we're all having to face terrible, terrible situations. And at the same time, The one constant, and this is why I talk about this, the one constant is us within the context of all of us. And if we can understand how we function in response to danger and fear and how other people, like my parents, shut down. They are freeze people in the face of great danger. They will just, I don't want to think about it, but Uh, if we can understand how other people close to us are reacting and why, we can stop yelling at them and figure out how to move forward. We can stop responding to the information that's coming at us out of fear and out of want and don't want. Like we we latch on to anything that we want to believe is true and we push against anything we don't want to believe is true. Uh, we have, if we can simplify it for ourselves, take away the complexity of the context, right? Because there's a million different scenarios that can happen right now. Uh, and none of us know what's going to be what. Because all the yelling about all these different scenarios... They're also conflicting, right? You hear, oh, this many, you know, all these extra people are dying, but we're going to have food shortages. So I'm thinking, well, if there's less people, then there's going to be more food in the short term. But in the long term, there's not as many people making food, right? I mean, so there's so much conflict about all the, the conflicting uh, stories 
what's going on with them is you can't, there's nobody knows what's going to happen. So everybody announcing that they understand and they know everything, they don't know anything. They're responding out of their nervous system response to danger and their perceptions and their lack of understanding, I would say for the most part, of cycles and stories and history because that's what the old stories talked about is how people responded. And the constant is that we have three ways to respond to fear and danger, fight, flight, freeze. And we all have that, and that has never changed. And the only thing that we know is that we're all doing the best we can 24 hours at a time because there's no way to prepare and be a perfectly positioned for a future that, while the greater cycle we can understand, empire ends, the day it ends, we can't know because it's just so dependent on so many things that are just uncertain. And so, you know, when you see all this prophesizing and analysis and all this kind of planning and plotting stuff, uh, everyone's just doing the best they can because nobody knows for sure, except the one constant is that we all have three primary responses. And if we can understand our response to danger and fear and other people's response to danger and fear, then hopefully that will allow you to make better decisions and how to respond in all of this stuff that's coming down on us, whether we want it to or not. And the reality, there's not going to be any magic moment where everybody wakes up, works cohesively together, and solves this problem. It's never happened throughout history. I mean, you want to talk about a reality check. Read about the American Revolution. Read about what was actually going on. Who was paying for it? Uh, what people did to each other, the amount of corruption within both sides is breathtaking. So we have a fantasy story about history, and then we have real history. So uh, I just wanted to kind of get that out there, cycles, histories, and stories. That really shows us who we are within the context of events, but more importantly, we as humans within these have never changed. It's always a fight, flight, freeze response. And it is how we manage ourselves through it. And it's how we are manipulated through it. And why so many people are misled because they're, they're the freeze flight people will go to the FEMA camps. The fight people will not. I mean, it's just, there's no rocket science to any of this. It's very, very simple. So the more honest we can be about ourselves, the more we can understand how we want to navigate through all of this. Because I'm going to tell you, there ain't no controlling it. So the dogs are now actively alive and thrashing. So I am going to take a deep breath. I'm going to invite you to have a super fabulous weekend. And I'm going to ask you to offer your prayers up for all of those in the path of Hillary Hurricane Hillary, because uh, it looks like it's impacting Baja, California, which is a vulnerable area if you've never been there. There's a lot of people who 
live in uh, very uh, loose shelters that will not sustain 120 mile an hour winds. So let's just say there's going to be a lot of devastation if this is hitting the way they're planning on it. So prayers for Hillary's hurricane to minimize impact and devastation for all the people who are going to have their own crisis to deal with and the rest of us who are comfortable for today. We're going to take a deep breath and I, my friends, will see you next time.